in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Let's see here. I got to turn on this mic. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to turn it on the computer. There it is. All right. Matthew chapter 5. Today we're going to talk about spiritual diets, not actual diets, but spiritual diets. You know me, I'm anti-diet, but uh, not spiritual diets. I'm for the spiritual diets, anti the food diets. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read one verse. We don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask you today, if you wouldn't mind standing, get you a chance to stretch your legs a second before before we have you sitting for the next two hours. Uh, We'll get you here. Stand in Matthew chapter 5. Look in verse number 6. This is part of what we call the Beatitudes. Verse number 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you, do you desire righteousness, doing right, being godly? Do you hunger after it, thirst after it, as a deer panteth for the water? Uh, Then it says that if we do desire it, if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we shall be filled. God will fill us uh, and, and help us and strengthen us to do just that. Lord, help us today as we look at the thoughts of spiritual diets. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn, to be reminded, to be encouraged by your word today, Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Uh, when I was one time in a conversation with someone, they said, uh, why? You know, I've been around a lot of preachers who stand for the reading of God's word, stand in honor of God's word, and they do that, and then the rest of the, the, the sermon, they stay seated during the reading of God's word, so the question was, well, what is that? And the reality is, is when a pastor does that or a preacher does that, they're just trying to keep you awake. Uh, get your blood flowing a little bit, keep you, keep you awake a little bit, and then no matter what they tell you, that's the reason why they do it. Or they're doing it because their preacher did it, and they just think that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Nonetheless, today we did it to make sure you were awake. Spiritual diets, because when you talk to me about diets, I fall asleep. Uh, I don't pay attention, so I want to make sure you're paying attention today. We're going to look at five diets that we as Christians should have. This is the conclusion of our series on healthy Christians. And uh, we looked at some exercises, we looked at stretching, uh, we looked at, um, what else did we look at? My mind just went blank. You all remember, right? What was it? Food pyramid. Thank you. The spiritual food pyramid. Balancing and uh, having the right base of our Christian life as well. And so today we conclude it with spiritual diets. And I want us to see, we're going to look at a number of verses today, so be ready to flip through um, if you're, if you, otherwise you can just listen, I suppose. Diet number one, the low carb diet. Yeah, that's right. It's in the Bible. Did you know that? Matthew chapter four, look in verse number four. It says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We see here in Matthew chapter four, at the beginning of chapter four, Jesus Um, is led up of the spirit, verse 1, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So Satan comes and meets Jesus in the wilderness, 
And as he is there, Satan is tempting Jesus to sin. He is tempting him uh, in different ways to fall, to falter, to give up, to leave this earth, uh, to not fulfill the reason why he came to earth. And so Satan comes, and one of the first things that he does, as Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, um, we'll talk about fasting in a moment, but 40 days and 40 nights. This is important. This is, shows us the uh, humanity of Jesus. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God here on the earth. And some of the things he did while on earth, you see the humanity of Jesus while he was here. One of those things was for fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Now he is hungry. Wouldn't you be hungry if you fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? I'm hungry if I fast for four hours. Uh, and so 40 days and 40 nights. And it says here that Satan came, verse 3, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, he's challenging him, command that these stones be made to bread. He says, if you're really who you say you are, and we heard this again with Jesus hanging on the cross, right? The sinner next to him, the criminal next to him saying, if you are who you say you are, take yourself and us off this cross. Satan here tempts him with the food aspect. And he says, if you really are who you say you are, turn these stones into bread. And Christ says in response, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Obedience to God's word is as important for our physical life as physical nourishment. Now you would say, okay, well, if I don't eat, I will die. If I don't read the Bible or if I don't obey the Bible, I'm not going to die. Well, yeah, you will. Um, you will. You will die in different ways, I suppose, not just physically die. But we see here this, this lesson that Christ is giving to us as he records it in Scripture for eternity. He says, the need for bread is not the only thing that man needs. He shall not live, man, by bread alone, but he says, by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so we see here this reminder to us of the importance of, of obeying God's word. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. But in Ephesians 6, it teaches us that at the earliest of ages, the importance of obeying God's word. Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What's the promise given? Verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So we obey our parents because God's told us to. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that you may live long, or that you may um, be well, it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. We don't obey our parents just because our parents are right. As a matter of fact, sadly, parents are often wrong. But we obey our parents because of God. Because we cannot obey God if we do not obey our parents. So at the earliest of age, God says, obey my word by obeying your parents and honoring them. 
Because obedience and honor are two different things. We can obey without honor. We cannot honor without obedience. And so the idea that we need more than just physical nourishment, we need spiritual nourishment. And we get spiritual nourishment from God's word. We'll talk about that more in just a second. But this idea that um, because I am saved, because I am God's child, I can now do whatever I want is an unbiblical thought. Because I am God's child, it's okay to sprinkle in some of my own desires. That's not biblical. But God says, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh said, and he said it to Satan, but he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We use as a different term for the Bible, the term God's word. Why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration, God breathed. This is God's word. We can't pick and choose which parts of the Bible we want to follow. Not to be right with God, we can't. It's the importance of learning and studying and reading the Bible because, again, we can take one verse, we can pull it out of context, and, and we can really have issues with that. Right? Because in the Old Testament, there was a time where children who were disobedient to their parents could be stoned. <laughs> well, we're, we're not doing that, right? That's not, that's not a law that we practice today. Is it in the Bible? Yes, but in the context, you understand the reason for it. There are things, many things, in the Old Testament that we don't do anymore, the sacrifices. We don't do that anymore. Is it in the Bible? Yes. Is it profitable? You bet it is. You know why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for exhortation, for these things. That doesn't mean that we make sacrifices because we read and we understand the context in which it's in. But when God says this is wrong, guess what? It's wrong. And we ought to live by every word which proceeded out of the mouth of God. We spend so much time worried about our physical health. And listen, it's important. I'm not saying it's not. I joke about it, but it's, it, it's important, physical health. But a lot of times, especially in today's society, is not physical health one of the most talked about things? I Googled, <laughs> I Googled uh, um, top diets you know, that are current, and there's a bunch of them. And we're not going to go through all of them today, but there's a bunch of them. And, you know, physical health is important, and people are thinking about it. You get the, the beginning of the year, the new year, everybody joins the gym, and they're there for about a month, and then they're gone. Supposedly, I'm told. I've never done it, but uh, I'm told that's how it works. Uh, but nonetheless, yes, they're important, but what is also important, not just the physical nourishment, it's the spiritual nourishment. How do we get the spiritual nourishment? We get it through God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone. Low carb, uh, less bread. Uh, the man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Number two, the diet I want us to look at is the carnivore diet. An all-meat diet. What in the world are we talking about? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5.
Hebrews chapter 5, look with me in verse number 12, starting in verse 12. It says, for when, uh, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised for, to discern both good and evil. He's talking in verse 5, he's warning them of false teachers, uh, of those who teach uh, unbiblical things. But he says there at the end of the chapter of chapter 5 that they are currently, the people whom he's talking to, are currently having need to be taught as babes as babies, as young, as inexperienced, as unknowledgeable. So they have need for milk when they should be at the point in their life where they should be eating meat. In 1 uh, Peter 2, verse 2, the Bible says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Milk is important. As a baby, you need milk to get the nourishment, and the, the things that you need that you can grow then. As a Christian, when we are first saved, when we are first coming into our relationship with Christ, we have so many of the basics to learn, right? We need to learn these things. They're important. They're crucial for our growth. But at some point in your Christian life, you have ought to have gone past the milk stage to now where you're getting the, as it says, strong meat. So many Christians get saved, and it kind of ends there. If you ask them, what should a saved person do, they can probably answer that question. They should read their Bible. They should pray. They should go to church. They should uh, treat others biblically. They should share the gospel with other people. Then if you ask that same person, okay, so are you? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you going to church? Are you sharing the gospel with other people? Are you treating people biblically? You see, babies start off really small. It's hard to remember how small my children were. I, honestly, I can't I think about the length, and I think, well, they should fit here, but I don't remember them being that tiny. Because now they're not tiny anymore. One of the reasons why that is, along with age, is they've been nourished. As a baby, they got the milk that they needed so that they could grow, and then they went into uh, the mushy, nasty food, right? And then from there, they went into the solid foods, like the stuff that you could actually chew, that you actually had to pay for at McDonald's. You couldn't uh, get by with it anymore. And then next thing you know, they're eating you out of house and home. And they're doing it because they're growing, you see, Christians, spiritually speaking, should be growing. When we're first saved, we start off with the milk, but if we stay drinking milk the rest of our physical lives, we have not grown as we are supposed to grow. If we were saved 10 years ago, and we know no more about the Bible today than we did 10 years ago, we've done something wrong. And it says here in Hebrews 5, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in word of righteousness. For he is a baby, is still a baby. 
but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, mature. If you act today as an adult the same way you acted when you were five, you are a problem in society. <laughs> right? We're supposed to mature. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. I've joked about it, but it's true. If you knew me in college versus now, you may not think I'm mature now. You should have known me in college. If you would have known me seven years ago, I've changed a lot. I've matured. I'm not fully immature, ask my wife, but I, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. Spiritually speaking, we ought to be maturing. We ought to be growing. We ought to be being built up. So now we're not drinking the milk, which was important to us at the beginning. But now we ought to be feeding on the meat deeper into God's word. Studying more. Uh, studying different topics. Uh, learning and understanding better the things of scripture it comes with time but if you are still where you were when you were first saved you haven't been nourishing the way you're supposed to if you're a new christian by all means don't think that you got to jump into the the deepest things of scripture like i said a while back you know when someone's first saved i encourage them to read the book of john and the book of romans that's the sincere milk of the word that's going to help you grow in your faith teach you some, some basic um, structural uh, things that you need. Some people dive right into Revelation. Guess what? Revelation's got some deep stuff in it. <laughs> not to say it's impossible to understand, not to say you can't learn it, not to say you can't study hard enough or, or uh, um, God can't give you what you need from it. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is when we're first born, when we're first reborn, when we're first saved, there's a, a base that we need. The longer that we've been saved, we should be growing in the things of Scripture and the things of God, the carnivore diet. There's a time to grow up as much as we don't want to. Spiritually speaking, we desperately need to. Number three, we've got the low-carb diet. We've got the carnivore diet. Number three, we've got the cleanse diet. The cleanse diet. We're not going to describe how it works, but nonetheless, if you'll turn with me to Psalm 51, we won't spend much time here because we were here on a Wednesday night not that long ago. Psalm 51. I just don't think there's any better verses to talk about this than what's here in Psalm 51. This again is the time where Nathan came to David after his sin with Bathsheba about a year later, so it seems. And Nathan tells David a story about a man who had lots of sheep and his neighbor had one and the neighbor stole the one sheep, killed it to serve to a, a, a stranger or a friend that came through. David was irate, couldn't believe the story. And he asked Nathan, tell me who it was, I'm paraphrasing, tell me who it was and I will punish him. And Nathan said, David, thou art the man. Bathsheba was the sheep that David stole. So David then comes under conviction, understanding his great sin. And Psalm 51 is David's prayer to God following Nathan's confrontation of him. And skip down to verse 2. It says, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
Skip down to verse 7. Read the whole chapter sometime if you haven't before. But verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. If we want to be spiritually healthy, we have to be cleansed. This is a daily cleansing that we need because we sin daily. Maybe you don't. I do. And this call to God from David, and he says, wash me thoroughly, cleanse me, purge me, wash me, create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. I don't know about you, but there are days where my attitude is not good. It's not godly. Many days. My spirit is not one that, that is very fun to be around. It's not godly. David had gone a year in, in somewhat guilt, I believe. And if you've sinned and you've held on to that sin and you didn't get forgiveness for it for a long time, you know how David's feeling. Dirty. Just filthy. It's important that we get clean. That we have God to wash us thoroughly of our iniquities and cleanse us from our sins. To purge us that I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. That's pretty clean. Create in me a clean heart because my heart that I have right now is not. So Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cleanse. You know, physically there's times that we just need a cleansing. We ate a little too much pizza too often. Uh, we, just, we just need we need to be cleansed. Spiritually speaking, my goodness, so much more than our physical selves. We need to be cleansed. God, forgive me. But not only forgive me, God, change me. Renew, create, change where I am today to where I'm going tomorrow. Make me clean instead of dirty. Number four, intermittent fasting. Very, very popular these days. Not with me, but again, other people. Intermittent fasting. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And again, we looked at this thought um, a, a several weeks ago, and so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here and didn't hear the message on fasting, uh, go back and look. We're on um, the Anchor app, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you can look up past sermons on there. And uh, make sure you go back and listen to the one on fasting. But Matthew chapter 6 in verse number 16, the Bible says, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disguise their faces, excuse me, disfigure their faces, uh, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee, openly 
Fasting is a partner to prayer. If we're faithful in our prayer life, what the Bible teaches us is that when we have a prayer that is not being answered or that we desperately seek to be answered, we partner fasting with prayer. And whether it be a day, a meal, or uh, however long it is, I encourage you, if you fast, do it wisely. Um, you can't fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Maybe you can. I don't think you can. Talk to your doctor about it. Uh, be wise with fasting. But the Bible here says when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast, do it this way. Do it in secret. Don't go announcing to everyone. Spiritually fasting, if you want to announce your physical fasting for, for physical reasons, that's fine. But when you're spiritually fasting, you don't go around and announce it to everybody like the hypocrites do, he says. You do it secretly, and God will reward you for doing it secretly. The, uh, the religious leaders of the time, they would fast, and boy, they'd look, they would just look the part. Weak, famished. Oh, I'm fasting. God says that's for show. It's for the wrong reason. If you fast to get your prayers answered, do it secretly. When you come out in public, wash your face. Don't look like you're fasting. Don't look all miserable and sad. You fast in secret. A line, I believe it's from Matthew Henry, a commentator, uh, that I gave to you when we did the fasting sermon, but I just really like it. It says, a season of deep humiliation, a humbling time, uh, requires abstinence from lawful pleasures. We're fasting. We're not fasting from evil things. We're fasting from things that are fine, food. But we're doing it for a particular reason, a season of deep humiliation, of coming to a humbling point, because that's what fasting is, humbling ourselves before God. Honestly, that's what prayer should be as well, what worship should be as well, but a, a, a humbling of ourselves and a standing before God humble. It's going to require a time away from some lawful pleasures. That's ultimately what fasting, spiritual fasting is. It needs to be a part of your life. Not every day, not every week, maybe not every month. It just needs to be a part of your life. There's a time for it. Fasting. But like I said, we have a whole sermon on it, so we'll, we'll jump over it now. Number five, and lastly today, I'd like to talk to you about the fruit diet. The fruit diet. Um, the Mediterranean diet I thought about, but it includes other things. Um, you can be a, fruit, a fruitarian, apparently, where all you eat is fruit. It's a larger, uh, more dedicated vegan, I suppose, from what I read on the Internet. Uh, but nonetheless, a fruit diet. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. And look in verse number 17, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 17. The Bible says, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Whether, uh, wherefore, by their fruit ye shall know them. Who's he talking about? He's talking about godly people, Christ-honoring people. By their fruits, you shall know them. A good tree can't bring forth evil fruit, and a corrupt tree can't bring forth good fruit. So what does that tell you about a supposed Christian who brings forth corrupt fruit? They're not a good Christian. 
Because a good tree can't bring forth corrupt fruit. Uh, I want to say this cautiously. It is not your job to judge someone's Christianity. It's not your place to decide if someone is saved or not. But we can oftentimes, it, it at least brings into question the way some people act of are they truly a child of God? I have never told anyone you're not saved. Someone who claims to be saved, I've never said, no, you're not. Because I can't, I can't know that. I have no idea. But I can tell by their lifestyle something's wrong. If they are saved, they're definitely not living for God. They're definitely not pleasing God. And we see, we come to this point where we have to realize and look at our own lives. Don't worry about everybody else. Look at yourself. Are you producing good fruit or corrupt fruit? Good fruit or evil fruit? Good fruit or no fruit? by your fruits that we shall know them. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. If you're producing godly fruit, this is what it will be. Galatians 5 and verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, the people who are living in the Spirit, the people who are living godly, righteously, according to Scripture, the fruit from them is these things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. What kind of fruit are you producing? Jump up to verse 18. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, not the fruit of the Spirit, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variants, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What kind of fruit are you producing? You say, well, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a fornicator. I'm not an idolater. I'm not a, uh, a witch. Uh, practice witchcraft. Then we start getting down into the hatred. Well, this person didn't vote the way I wanted them to. <coughs> well, this elected official did this. I hate that person. Well, this coworker said this. Verse 20. Strife. Envyings, they get paid more than me. They don't do anything. Murderers, we got three or four of those in the church. No, I'm just kidding. Um, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. If you'll go through the Bible and look at the different lists of things that God hates, that God um, uh, uh, list out for us certain sins 
categorizing different people, you're going to find things like lying, disobedient to parents. We think of big sins and little sins. God looks at it as sin. And what's your life producing? Is it producing parts of the list that are of the works of the flesh, or is it producing the fruits of the Spirit? It's by your works that you're known. It's by your works that your co-workers look at you and go, they're different. They won't talk bad about the boss with us. Or if you are the boss, they won't talk bad about the other employees with us. They don't swear. They don't tell jokes that are inappropriate. They don't watch the shows that we're talking about. I'm telling you, you'll stand out very quickly. Well, why haven't you watched this yet? Well, because I did a little bit of reading and found out it's a pretty evil show. You think, boy, I'm feeling left out. I don't know what they're talking about. I can't be a part of the conversation. Trust me, that's good. You say, well, then I won't be able to be friends with them. They won't be friends with me. I promise you, that's not what decides friendships, whether or not you guys watch the same uh, pornographic shows. What, what will garner their interest in the God that you serve is you living a life that produces fruit that are godly. If you'll be kind, if you'll be hardworking, if you'll be patient, I promise you, eventually someone's going to come to you and they might not want anybody else to see them talking to you, but they're going to come to you with a need that only your God can solve. And the reason why they come to you is because by your fruits they knew something was different. You see, spiritually speaking, if we want to be healthy, yeah, we have to exercise spiritually. Yes, we've got to have that proper foundation, God first. Yeah, we've got to stretch our faith a little bit. We're going to have to go on some spiritual diets, a low-carb diet. Man should not live on bread alone. I'm sorry I'm cheesy with this today, but um, no cheese in any of these diets, by the way. Uh, the carnivore diet. Are you still sipping milk when you should be eating meat? A cleanse diet. What is your heart like today? Does it need to be cleaned, cleansed? Intermittent fasting. There's a time for it. And the fruit diet. What are you eating today? Or not eating, what are you producing today? Works of the flesh or the fruits of the spirit. It's by your works that you're known. It's important that we take time. Because it takes time to be a spiritually healthy Christian. And if we'll do what's necessary, if we're just willing to put in the effort, God will reward you. God will bless you. God will grow you. And God will develop you into what he wants you to be. And I promise it will turn out better than had you done it on your own. Lord, help us, I do pray. Help us to be healthy, spiritually healthy as Christians. God, I desire, and I believe we all do, to live for you, to obey you. And God, it is hard. 
But Lord, you were tempted. At your weakest physical moment, you were tempted. And you withstood. God, I pray that you'd help us to stand faithful for you. And God, help us to develop a life that is spiritually healthy. I do pray. So heads bowed and our eyes closed. No music today. I just want you to take just a second. And if God's spoken to you about something today, I pray that you'll, you'll pray and you'll take care of that with him. Maybe it's an area where you've been uh, not dependent enough on God's word. Maybe it's an area uh, where you have not grown like you know that you should have. And you're going to commit yourself today to grow, spiritually speaking. Maybe you need to be cleansed today and you need to seek God for forgiveness. Maybe your fruits that you're producing have not been godly fruits. And today you're seeking God's help. Uh, to change that in your life. Would you take just a moment in the silence of the room to, to pray and, and speak with God and seek his help for the areas that he's spoken with you about today?